All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor at Faith Church. want to say, man, how glad we are that you're here in Florence with us. Can we show some love and welcome all of our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg? It's good to have you guys in the house. Our Shoals Campus, come on, let's welcome them. And everybody else watching online, whether you are Faith Church family, this is home base, man. We're glad you're here. And if you're a VIP, if it's your first time joining us, we're glad that you decided to hook up. We say it every week. Come on, we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world, which means whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe that if you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on. Can we give God some love? Come on, for his mercy and his grace. Come on, just for a minute. All of our campuses. Well, listen, we are in a series we started last week entitled March Madness. March Madness is, we actually officially starting today is March Madness. It is the Division I NCAA basketball tournament where we get an opportunity to see who is the best team in the land. The good news is that most of the teams probably represented in our, in our churches, in our campuses, are represented in the bracket. How many people are following the bracket? Anybody following NCAA? Anybody, any basketball fans? Just make some noise. You got some grandkids playing it or you love watching it. So our teams are represented. We have absolutely Tennessee is in the bracket. They made it. You don't have to say anything here, but Lawrenceburg's losing their mind. Auburn. Auburn made it. Uh, there's a couple, thank you, a couple people. Alabama made the bracket. Don't look like they're going to get far, but they made the bracket. And Ohio State made the bracket. Let's go, somebody. Excited. Hopefully, you're going to tune in for some games. But whether you watch it or not, here's what we're doing is through this series, March Madness, we're taking the incredible game of basketball, a game that I love to watch, and we're tying it into what life looks like. Again, the game of basketball is an incredible metaphor for the game of life. And specifically, we're taking the game of basketball and we're leaning into the life of a biblical character by the name of Samson. Now, you don't have to have been in church very long to maybe have heard of Samson. Samson is one of those big personalities in the Bible, and the reason he stands out is because he is known as the strongest man in the Bible. Some incredible feats of strength. He tears lions in half. He takes on entire armies with his own bare hands. He pushes against the pillars of a building and collapses it. I mean, some pretty incredible feats of strength. But... In the same way that he has incredible feats of strength, when you track his life, just like some of your life, Samson has some incredible downtimes, seasons of strength and struggle that we talked about last week. Samson is known as a judge. His story is found in the book of Judges, specifically four chapters, 13, 14, 15, and 16. I would encourage all of our faith church fan men, read the Bible and maybe track where we're tracking. Go back this week and you can read his whole story. But what you find in the life of Samson is that ultimately God drafted Samson to his team before he was ever born. God promised his mom that he w she was going to have a child, her and her husband. And God said, I got a plan and I got a purpose for his life. I'm going to put an anointing. Everybody say anointing. I'm going to put my presence on his life and I'm going to use him in some pretty incredible ways. But what we found out is just like the game of basketball has a rule book, God gives Samson a rule book. And he gives in the rule book of Samson's life, he gives him three simple rules. It's called the Nazarite vow. We talked about it last week. It comes from this word, Nazir. Everybody say it, one, two, three, Nazir. The word Nazir or Nazarite vow means separated. What God was telling Samson to do is, I want you to separate. I want you to sell out to the call. I want you to commit to the purpose that I have for your life. I want you to buy into the rules because if you'll do life my way, I got some incredible things for you. And we watched the trajectory of Samson's life, and surely he does some pretty incredible things because at least early on, he kind of follows the rules. 
what we find out is there's three simple rules. Here's the rules we talked about last week. And if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and listen and we'll kind of dig into what the rules meant. But for today, here's the three rules. Come on, say it with me. Number one, don't drink from the vine. Number two, don't touch dead things. And number three, don't cut your hair. Now, you don't have to agree with the rules, but what I want you to hear today is this, is that if you want to experience God's best, you have to do it God's way. What we said last week is you can experience God's victory playing by your rules, which means God has given us as Christ followers a rule book. God's given us a guide. God's given us parameters. God's given us boundaries. And way too often, way too many Christ followers play out of bounds and want to experience God's best. And what we found out is when God brings us into a relationship with Jesus, ultimately, again, he sets those parameters and he's got a call on your life, just like he had a call on Samson's life. You might feel very ordinary. You might feel below average. And I want you to know the anointing or the presence of God in your life is just as real as it was in Samson's life. So when you know who you are, you know who God is, you can be set up to serve a God who loves you and do some pretty incredible things with your life. If you're willing to do it God's way. But here's the question that I want to dig into today is what happens when you break the rules. In the great game of basketball, when you break the rules, there are some consequences. It's called a foul. Everybody say a foul. You got to give the whistle sound. One, two, three. Foul. Come on, everybody give the whistle sound. You don't have a whistle, neither do I. One, two, three. Foul. So in the game of basketball, if you don't play by the rules, if you break the rules, you get a foul. If you get enough fouls, ultimately you will get ejected from the game. So the game you love to play, the game you want to play, the game you train to play, the game you're called to play, you don't get to play if you break the rules. And the tragic thing about the life of Samson that I want us to lean in today, because maybe it's your story too, is Samson, even though he had an incredible call, a great anointing, a great talent given by God, what we see in his life is Samson continues to break the rules. Because he breaks the rules, ultimately Samson gets ejected from the game. So remember the three rules. Let's run through them real quick. The very first rule that God gave Samson was don't drink from the vine. It was the way God saying, like, don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. But I want you to see how Samson chooses to live his life in spite of the rule book that God gave him. Check this out. In Judges chapter 14, verse 1 through 5. Is everybody with me today? Anybody glad to be in the house of God? Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus. <laughs> Judges 14, verse 1 says this. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. Now, we're going to get back to that next week. <laughs> Verse 5, as Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked, everyone read this with me, Samson near a vineyard of Timnah. Y'all didn't catch it, did you? See, God said the rule is, I don't want you to drink alcohol. Don't drink anything from the vine. They didn't have package stores. When I moved here, I thought a package store was where you went to get stuff to ship stuff. That's not it at all. <laughs> There's no bubble wrap in package stores. Y'all caught me in the South. I didn't see that one coming. I need, I need some cardboard boxes and some bubble wrap. He's like, you're in the wrong store. They didn't have any bubble. So watch this. This is so important. So the Bible says that Samson intentionally went down by the vineyards of Timnah. Well, where do you get wine from? You get wine from grapes. And where do you get grapes from? You get them from vineyards. And so you may not see anything there, but I just want you to know something, that Samson was intentionally putting himself in a place where he was allowing himself to get too close to the line. And let me just ask you a question. How many of you in this room or how many of you online are maybe allowing yourself to maybe get too close to out of bounds? Like you're not out of bounds. You can say, Pastor, I didn't cross the line. I didn't go there. I didn't do that. Like you can't. And see, technically, yeah, you didn't cross the line, but you're allowing yourself just to get way too 
close. And if you get close enough, long enough, you will fall out of bounds. And so the very first rule that God gives Samson is, hey, don't drink anything from the vine. Like, don't, don't go here. Don't do that. And Samson just sees how close he can get. Next rule. What was number two rule? Come on, y'all got to track with me. What was number two rule? Don't touch anything dead, which would be a really easy rule for most of us to keep, wouldn't it? Like, you ain't even got to tell me that. I'm not going to touch anything dead. But watch, Samson. I don't know if you caught the story. I just read it. But on his way down to Timnah, as he's crossing by the vineyard, the Bible says this lion jumps out and attacks Samson and his parents. And the anointing of the Lord comes on Samson. And in his strength, he tears a lion in two. Y'all are hard to impress. Maybe you've seen people tear lions in two. I've never seen that. This cat grabs a lion by the jaws and tears him in two. He throws the lion down. He passes and he leaves and he goes, we'll get into this next week. He goes to a wedding, which he probably parties by the vineyard. He's coming back and the Bible says he passes by, he passes by this same vineyard, which means he didn't just go by the vineyard on the way to the wedding. He intentionally went out of his way on the way back. And the Bible says this same lion, he wanted to kind of see, he was, he was happy, about, happy about his trophy. And he gets there and there's all these bees buzzing around the carcass of the lion. And Samson's got the rumble belly. He didn't eat breakfast that day. And he sees that there's some honey in the lion. And so he reaches down into the carcass of the lion and he scoops out some honey to eat it. Y'all missed it. He touched a dead thing. He said, Pastor, come on, man, cut the dude some slack. He's hungry. He's got to be burning mad calories with that kind of build. Like, give this guy a break. Let me just read another one in case you don't know the story of Samson. He runs up into an army of Philistines, an army, an army versus one. One plus God is always a victory. One plus God is always a victory. Samson looks like he's by himself. He's not. The anointing of the Lord is with him. And then it says this, though. Then he found the jawbone of a, read it with me, a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, he sings a little song. He makes it up on the, on the fly. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I killed a thousand men. Now that doesn't flow very well in English, but if you read it in the Hebrew, like some, you put some M&M on it. He says this, with the jawbone of an ass, I piled the men in mass. With the jawbone of an ass, I had a blast. And then Mike drop, he drops the jawbone. Come on, that's that's pretty good. I didn't say I was Eminem. I said like, like Eminem. So I don't know if y'all caught it. God said, listen, I don't want you to drink anything from the vine, but he's kind of playing by the borders. He's getting as close as he can. Then God says, rule number two, what's rule number two? Don't touch anything dead. But instead he touches a lion. Instead he picks up a jawbone and I hear you, but pastor, come on. Like he was getting ready to get in a fight. He didn't have anything with you. Like anybody here, if someone breaks in your house, you look at the closest thing you can grab to get into a fight. Don't make me kill someone with a towel rack. I will break that off and beat your brains out with it. You can say, but all he had was the jawbone. Never in all of the battles Samson gets into, does he ever grab a weapon? He picked up something dead. He chose to pick up something dead just because he chose to do it. And you can give him all the excuses you want, but he was in a fight, but he was hungry, but he still broke the rules. Let's go one more. What's the third rule? What's the third rule? Don't cut your hair. I don't have time to get into all this, but ultimately... The climax of the story of Samson is the story of Samson and Delilah. 
This girl he should have never been in a relationship with, crossing boundaries he should have never crossed. He finds himself in the lap of Delilah. Now, Delilah, remember, Samson was raised up to deliver the nation of Israel from their enemy, the Philistines. Delilah is a Philistine, and he's hanging out in her lap. Not married, by the way. Just have to throw that in. It says this, finally, Samson shared his secret. You know what the secret is to my strength? He says right here, my hair has never been cut. I'm committed to the cause. I'm sold out to the rules. I'm going to follow the rule book because I want God's anointing on my life. What's crazy is this whole time he's trying to get, he's trying to hook up with Delilah. Delilah's trying to kill him. Some of the people you think are your best friends don't have the best in mind for you because they got the worst in mind for you. And so here she is trying to get to the secret so the Philistine army can take him out. And she nags and she nags and she nags. The verse is actually there, man. You can memorize it. I'll show it to you next week. It's in the Bible. She nags and she nags and she nags. It says this, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. And Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And when she called in a man to shave, then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And in this way, she began to bring him down. Everyone read these next five words with me. And his strength left him. Say it again. And his strength. One more time. So here we are. God says, listen, there's just three simple rules. And if you're willing to play by my rules, my presence is going to be on you and you're going to experience some pretty incredible things. And in spite of the three simple rules, what we see is he consistently fouls out. Samson, listen, I I don't want you to drink anything from the vine, but he gets as close as he can and he probably parties there. He is not supposed to touch anything dead, but you know how it is. I mean, I just got to do what I got to do. It's just the culture we live in. If you want to get ahead in this business, this is how you run the numbers. Sometimes you got to fudge the contract. Sometimes you got to go behind people's backs. If you want relationships to work, come on, pastor. It's just the society we live in. If relationships are going to work, this is just what we do now. So like, I know that's a rule, but God understands he gets it. And then he goes all out and he sells out the secret of his strength. It's his hair. It's never been cut. He finally cuts his, gets his hair cut by Delilah, the one he loves. And in that moment, Samson's strength left him. And so what happens? What happens when you, when you break the rules? What happens when you break the rule? What I want you to see in the life of Samson is he continues to escalate in the fouls. He goes from getting close to sin to being in sin to all, just all out. He gets his hair cut. If you're taking notes, escalation leads to ejection. Escalation leads to ejection. In the great game of basketball, there are several kinds of fouls, but there's three primary fouls. Do I got any basketball fans in the house? Am I the only one? LeBron James scored 50 again this week. I don't care. Say what you will. Age 37, 19 years in the league. I think that's pretty incredible. People are shouting out 23-year-olds for doing it. This guy's 37 years old, still champion of the game. Goat status. It's my platform. I can say what I want. You get a platform, you can say what you want. (laughs) Three types of fouls in the game of basketball. If you're not a basketball fan, this will still help you. There's personal fouls, there's technical fouls, and there's flagrant fouls. Everybody say that. Personal fouls, technical fouls, and flagrant fouls. Here's why that's important. Personal fouls are fouls against a player just for violating one one of the rules of play of the game. 
One of the most common ones is if, if you foul somebody, if a shooter is shooting the ball, they go to shoot, you're not allowed to touch them. You can put your hand in their face, you can try to guard them, you can jump and you can touch the ball, but if you touch any part of a player who's shooting the ball, it is a foul. Let's blow the whistle together. One, two, three, foul. And they can say, I didn't mean to touch him, I didn't really touch him, but at the end of the day, whether you meant to do it or not, it's still breaking one of the rules of basketball, and it is a personal foul, personal foul. The second type of foul is a little more egregious, and it's, what's it called? Technical. technical foul. A technical foul usually happens after the play of a game, and it's when a player gets a bad attitude and tries to yell at the ref because he don't think he should have got the personal foul, so now he yells at the ref, and so he gets a technical foul. Everybody blow the whistle, one, two, three. Technical foul. The last kind of foul is absolutely the worst kind of foul. It's a flagrant foul. Flagrant foul happens when a player is judged to intentionally be trying to cause hurt against another player. Now, here's what's crazy is in the escalation game, you see these fouls escalate if you watch basketball. A player's out and he's just trying to play the game and he gets whistled for a couple personal fouls that he don't think he did, but he know he did. He's unhappy about it. So he yells at the ref and he yells at the ref and he gets a technical foul, which just makes him all the more mad. So right, you start seeing this player lose control and he gets out there and he's so upset, his team's behind. He jumps up to swat the ball and he intentionally comes hard down on another player and tries to hurt that other player. And he goes from a personal foul to a technical foul to a... Y'all are with me, teaching you the game of basketball. Not here for that, teach you the game of life. But what I want you to see is escalation. Everybody say escalation. Escalation leads to ejection. You get five personal fouls in the game of basketball, at least on a collegiate level. In the NBA, you get six, which means if you have five personal fouls, you're out of the game. You get two technical fouls, you're out of the game. You get one flagrant foul, and you're out. Escalation. Let me take another turn. There's several words in the Bible for the word sin. There's lots of them, but I'm just going to give you three of them this morning. Same way you have three fouls, you are three sins. Here are the three. Read them with me. Number one, sin, transgression, and let's say that together. More than four of us. Ready? One, two, three, all campuses. Sin, transgression, and iniquity. Here's the difference between those three. A sin is when you mess up, you miss the mark, and that's really what the word sin means. It means to miss the mark, like you, you have a bad day. You lose your temper. You say something you didn't really want to say, but you just kind of crawl. Anybody here ever just kind of crawl? Like you didn't even want to. You didn't plan on, but you found yourself on the other line. Come on, wave at me. That's a sin. It's still wrong. You still did it. You're still accountable, but it's a sin. Then there's what's number two? Transgression. Transgression is intentional rebellion, which means you meant to do it, but you just minimize what it meant. Like you knew crossing the line was wrong, but again, I just have to do what I have to do. God gets it. He understands. It's the culture we live in. It's what I have. God, I know you said it's wrong, but come on. That, like that's old school rules. That doesn't really fit in our world. Jesus, if you lived here now, you wouldn't have those rules, but God has a rule book. And if we want to experience God's best, we got to play by God's rules, which means we've got to quit making excuses. Transgressions is just rebellion minimizing what it means. And the last one is iniquity. Iniquity means wheels off. I know God said it's wrong. I don't care what God thinks. I'm going to live life on my terms. And can you see the escalation from a personal foul to a technical foul to a flagrant foul? There is an escalation from sin to transgression to iniquity. In the life of Samson, there was an escalation. Why did he get ejected from the game? Because he went from seeing how close he could get to being in it and making excuses for it to absolutely living wheels off with his head in the lap of Delilah, allowing his hair, the source of his strength, to be cut.
Y'all don't track with me. Let me help you. How many of you in this room uh, ever been out grocery shopping, been with your spouse there doing the grocery? Like you were there. Anybody here ever, like you check out, you put all the groceries and the person's boop, boop, boop. Like and everything's checked out and you're pushing your cart out. And at some point you realize you forgot the case of water underneath and nobody saw it. You didn't see it. And you're already outside and you got a free case of water. Wave at me. Come on, wave it. Like the, the ranch dressing got caught down in the cart. Nobody saw it. Wave at me. Come on, if that's ever happened to you. Now, if you're outside and that happened to you, you're a shoplifter. I, you say, I didn't see it. Now, those of us who love Jesus, we go back in and pay the rest of you. Listen, Jesus didn't bless you with a case of water. You're a thief. Man, the Lord lowered my grocery bill. No, you stole that. But watch, 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 watch. Personal foul. That's sin. So you still stole that. You didn't mean to. I didn't even know it happened, but it's still shoplifting. Level number two. How many of you guys have ever been in a store and you know, they don't really have these. I think they took them out of co because of COVID, but they had those bins. A lot of times in the fruits and vegetables where like you could just lift it up and you can get like a scoop, scoop full of walnuts or a scoop full of cashews. Don't look at me like that. How many people in this room have ever been going through the vegetable and fruit aisle and you, you picked a couple grapes and you ate them and didn't pay? Come on. Y'all a bunch of liars and need Jesus. How many people ever stole a grape before? Wave at me. Listen, that's shoplifting. You can say, well, they ain't going to miss it. I, listen, I shop here all the time. I spend $200 a week. They ain't going to miss one little grape. That's stealing. And you meant to steal it. You're just minimizing your thievery. So I, I shoplifted, but I didn't even know I shoplifted. Two, I shoplifted, but it's not a big deal. Everybody does it. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. And currently, we're living in a crazy culture. There are wheels off. I don't know if you're watching the videos that are happening, popping up all the time on social media, where crazy people are walking into stores, a lot of times pharmacies, and they're intentionally going up, busting stuff, and just carrying out loads of goods, walking out the door they know. That. I mean, have anybody seen this stuff? So personal foul. Y'all got to track me. I ain't going to keep saying them. <laughs> Technical foul, flagrant foul. Sin, transgression, iniquity. Water under the cart, didn't mean to do it, but you did it. Grapes in your hand, in your mouth, it's no big deal, you justify it. So I'm gonna take what I want, because somehow people owes me. It's all sin, it's all shoplifting. Let me give you one more. How many people have ever been driving down the road? Where's all my speeders at? Where's all my speeders at? <laughs> I'm in the right church. How many people have ever been driving down, and you don't even need to speak, like you're not in a hurry to get anywhere? Come on, Lawrence, first show. Like you don't even have to be anywhere. It's just a casual day. You got worship music on. The presence of the Lord is in the car. You got revival. You're crying, oh God, oh God, I need you. And like all of a sudden, you open your eye just long enough to see a speed limit sign, and you realize you're doing 45, and it's like you didn't mean to speed, like you were, your plan wasn't to speed. But how many people ever just realized you were speeding? Now, listen, if you got pulled over by a cop, you can tell them, all, well, I, did, I was in revival. Jesus was with me. You're still getting a ticket. You're still speeding. Now, let me go on. Anybody here? Let me tell you my favorite thing about Route 65 besides the people God's given me to pastor or besides is Route 65. It is the Autobahn of Alabama. You can go as fast as you want. Don't act like that. I've driven by some of you. I hate when, when cars impede my progress. Like if they're doing 80 and I want to do 85, I'm like, move over. Until I'm doing 85 and someone tries to do 90 behind me, I'm like, you're a maniac. Slow down. <laughs> Simmer down, buddy. The beach will still be there. 
Come on, how many people have been driving down the road and you know the speed limit, but you don't care the speed limit because your rationale is everybody's, I'm just going with the flow of traffic. So the speed limit is 70, but you're doing 80, but you're making excuses of why you're doing 80. How many people know you're still speeding? If you get pulled, up, pulled over, you can tell the police officer, hey, I'm just doing what everybody else is doing. You're still getting a ticket. Whether you meant to speed and you didn't know it, that's a sin. Whether you meant to speed and you have all this justification and reason why you're doing it, it is still a transgression, iniquity, a flagrant foul is what we see happening from time to time where people are going down the road and five police cars are chasing them. They got an Uzi out the window and a bag of cocaine and they're on their way to prison. Now, here's what's crazy is some of you in this room, like, you're like, well, I'm not, like, I don't have cops chasing me, but you're still speeding. I'm not walking into stores stealing stuff, but you're still shoplifting. And when you look at the life of Samson, we're like, I'm not, I don't want to have my head in the lap of Delilah with somebody cutting my hair, but we're still way too close to stuff that is compromising our call. We are still dealing with stuff and making excuses because it's what we do. It's the world we live in. It's the people I'm around. And we just continue to violate the boundaries that God's given us for our life. And you are going to miss God's best for your life, compromising in foolish ways the rule book he's given us. I'm just telling you, if you want God's best, you got to do it God's way or you will foul out and you will eventually Allow those sins to keep on piling up and pushing you till you get ejected from the game that God has you for. How many people want to play the game? Then you got to play by the rules. And so we watch Samson and his life escalates to this place that's absolutely tragic. The most tragic thing isn't the verse we read where his strength left him. The most tragic verse in the life of Samson is not just the most tragic verse in the life of Samson. It is, in my estimation, the most tragic verse in Scripture. Because Samson, because he continued to push the boundaries and ignore the rules, he doesn't just lose his place of prominence, and he doesn't just lose his strength, and he doesn't just lose his reputation, and he doesn't just lose his call. He loses the presence of God in his life. If you're a child of God, the moment you said yes to Jesus, you didn't get good enough, you didn't earn it, you didn't read the Bible enough, you didn't come to church long enough. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you. This building doesn't make you a Christian. The Bible, God's book, doesn't make you a Christian. Giving money does not make you a Christian. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that makes you a Christian. And in living wheels off, for all the justified reasons I'm sure Samson had, when his hair was cut and his strength left him, the Bible says this in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, Delilah then cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. Everybody here read this, the most tragic verse in scripture, but he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Like his thought, I can just keep living however I want. Like I can just play by whatever rules I want. And like we live in a day and age, and this is really hard for me to say, but y'all need to hear this, Lawrenceburg Shoals. We live in a day and age where we celebrate the grace of God. And the grace of God is an incredible thing. It's a gift you can't earn where God gives you forgiveness and you don't deserve it and I don't deserve it, but he willingly gives it because Jesus, his son, died to secure it for us. But we live in this age where like you can just live however you want. Man, God loves you. You can just break whatever you read, whatever rules you want, but God's grace is amazing. And we show up on Sunday and we sing amazing grace. And I'm just telling you, the life of Samson is a clear demonstration of what the potential of a person's life can be that's lost when you choose to ignore the rules. 
And he reaches this place, the presence of God leaves him and he doesn't even know it. It's not the first time it happens. Bible tells us about this guy by the name of Saul. Saul was the first king of the nation of Israel. He chose to live just like Samson, wheels off, playing by his own rules. And the Bible says this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14, about Saul. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. David, maybe you know David's story. David was the second king of the nation of Israel. He was the successor to King Saul. His story is kind of infamous because even though he did a lot of incredible things and he loved God and God loved him, he wrote a lot of the Psalms in the Old Testament. He had this season, like some of you, where he just was living wheels off, playing the game by his own rules. And one day, the Bible tells us that he goes up to the roof of his palace, even though other kings are out to battle, which means he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. The reason some of you keep getting in trouble and keep falling and keep messing up is because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And he's up there and he sees Delilah, this beautiful girl. She's bathing in the moonlight because he's, he's the king. He has the authority to call her to his throne room. And so he does. And he brings, he brings her in, rapes her, impregnates her. In order to cover up what he's done, he has her husband killed. And you got to imagine all the people that he's offended I imagine he's offended her and violated her and the culture, community, the people he's called to rule over. He doesn't care. In Psalm 51, he records a prayer that I hope will shock you and shake you and encourage you because he recognizes out of all the rules that he broke and all the things that he's done, he's concerned about one person the most. He's concerned about losing God's presence. And he writes this in Psalm 51. He says, do not banish me from your presence. Saying, God, I I know I messed up. I know I crossed the line. I know I justified it. I know I made excuses. But God, will you please not banish me from your presence and don't take. I I know you did it to Samson and I know you did it to Saul. God, will you, I don't care what else you take. Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. See, it's the Holy Spirit that we need. If you're going to make it through these days, it's the Holy Spirit. If you're going to walk out your call, it's God's presence. If you're going to succeed in everything that God brought you into this planet to do, it's his anointing on your life. And we continue to push the boundaries and violate the rules. Eventually, God's presence will leave. There are consequences to a foul-filled life. The longer you play out of bounds, you will eventually lose his presence. There's a verse in Isaiah 51 says it this way, listen, The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. Isn't that a great verse? God's saying, I'm close enough. I can hear you. I'm with like, I hear you. I'm with you. I'm there. You might say, but I'm in a place where I feel like God don't hear me. I'm in a season where it doesn't feel like God's close to me. What's the cause of that? I want you to know it's not God who's moved away from you. Maybe you've moved away from God. Isaiah, the prophet goes on in the very next verse and says this, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Our sin leads to God's silence. See, don't hear me say God doesn't love you. That goes contrary to scripture. God will never stop loving you. In your worst day, in your worst hour, in your worst action, God will love you all the same. But at some point, God still hates sin. And when people continue to wanna play by their rules and play out of bounds and justify their actions, and live like culture, 
and still say, God, I want you and I want your best and I want your plan. God's like, no, you, you have to pick. You can play by the rules and experience an incredible life or you can play by your rules and then you're on your own. But his presence is contingent on our obedience. And Samson is a tragic, a tragic story of the wasted potential of what he could have done had he played in bounds. And some of you in this room, and maybe you're, got, like you're seeing how close you can get without crossing the line. You've crossed the line, but you have all these justifications of why you did it, why you behave that way. And some of you, man, at the place, like I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're tuning in online. I'm glad you're in Shoals. I'm glad you're in Lawrenceburg. But if you're honest, you're living absolutely out of bounds. You're like, God, will you, will you do something? God's like, he'll save you and he'll change you. But you gotta make a decision to get off the bench and get back in the game. And he can do that. We're gonna talk about that in week four. But today, if you're in the place that you're not, not playing by the rules, it's a great opportunity to change. There's two more verses I wanna give you. One is found in 1 Thessalonians. It says this, everybody read with me. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. One more verse. It says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Is this idea when you come to Jesus and you get in a relationship with God, you can sense his presence start pulling you in directions. You can start sensing the presence of God, pulling you into obedience and pulling you into generosity, pulling you into forgiveness, pulling you into serving, pulling you into love. Like God's got this new life for you and he gives you the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to equip you to live this new life. And what God's word is saying is when you sense the Holy Spirit start igniting that in you, like don't put that fire out. Don't stifle the fire of the Holy Spirit. Man, allow that fire in your life to burn bright. Allow it to burn up the old you, the old habit, the old attitude, and the old actions and become the person that God created you, designed you, and saved you to be. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. And then the other side is, don't just allow the Holy Spirit to pull you in a new direction. Don't pull the Holy Spirit with you in an old direction. Because when you're going back into old habits and old attitudes and old actions, man, you're grieving, you're bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit. And so as we book in those, I just want to tell you the tragic, tragic thing that happened to Samson is he lost the presence of God. And I just want to challenge you based on God's word. It's the best thing you can do is to protect God's presence in your life. Guard the presence of God. It's the greatest, most important resource, asset, and gift you will ever have on this side of eternity or the other. It is the presence of God that makes you a Christian. It's the presence of God that convicts you, convinces you, changes you, inspires you, fills you, anoints you, equips you, prepares you. It's his presence. It's not me. It's your, not your mama, your grandma, your daddy. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. If I lose my money, my reputation, if I lose everything this world can ever give me, as long as I still have the presence of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be okay. And so are you. Guard the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life garden so three questions three questions I just want to give you real quick maybe to help you decide where you're at because some of you maybe are closer to getting ejected than you thought three questions you ready number one where are you I mean like right now where are you at mentally emotionally where are you at in life where are you remember Samson kept getting as close as he could to the vineyard just kept pushing the boundary, just a little, I'm just gonna get a little closer, but I'm not there. Where are you? Question number two, who are you with? Who are you with? 
in life? Who's in your circle? Who are the people you're hanging with? Who are the people you're dating? Who are you with? Samson was around prostitutes. He was around Delilah. He's around all the wrong people. Question number three, what are you doing? What are you doing in life right now? Samson got as close as he could to a vineyard. Samson ran with all the wrong people. And Samson just couldn't control himself, just kept touch, touching dead things. You might say, Pastor, I'm not with prostitutes and I'm not touching dead things. But maybe you're closer than you should be. Hanging with the wrong people that you don't need to be. Doing things that are outside of the boundary that God has for your life. And that's the quickest way to get ejected from the game. How people want God's best for their life? Lawrence Burton Schultz. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We all stand at all of our locations. I want us to pray together. I prayed this with our worship team before we came out here today. I want you all just to, to pray this with me, maybe. David prayed a prayer and said, Lord, will you show me if there be any wicked way in me? He said, God, if, if there's something going on, if I, got a, if, I got a, if I got a case of water under the cart and I don't know it, Lord, show me. If I'm making excuses for things in my life and I don't realize it, Lord, will you show me? If I'm out of bounds, God, I need you to show me. And I want us at all of our locations just to pray that prayer, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, will you show us this morning if there's any wicked way in us. God, if we're out of bounds and we don't know it or we've made excuses, Holy Spirit, we don't want to lose your presence. We don't want to miss your call. God, we don't want to, we don't want to bypass our purpose. Father, we want your best in our life. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, in our home, in our hearts, and in every area of our life, God, come and show us where we're fouling out. We're pushing the boundaries. We're dishonoring your presence. And I pray in Jesus' name, God, help us to walk out of this place committed like never before to not stifle your presence, but God, to guard it as the most precious gift that it is. In Jesus' name, and everybody who reads that amen.